Well, all right. Welcome back. Wrench Nation Car Talk right here from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Your favorite car talk where we hang out with you every week and we are awesomely grateful to you guys. Taking you on a wild journey. Highlighting some automotive industry, motorsport, heavyweights, some news. That hump day where you meet up with us every uh, week and we appreciate you guys. I got my lovely co-host, Mrs. Susie Sockets, hanging in the studio. What is happening, girl? Hello, Frankie. How are you, buddy? I'm just grooving. You know, I always said Wednesday. Wait a minute. Before we say Wait anything, what are you doing? we can't step on the solo of the trumpet. No, now, let's let it hit play. It. <laughs> oh, I know we just blew your ears out. I know that you guys... Uh, Hang with us every weekend, and you can count on at least we can agree, Susie, the Budos Band, we're going with it. I think we're going with it. It's nice. I think it is. Good opener. I've had a few of you reach out, Ranch Nation Facebook, uh, you like the music. And it puts us in the mood. It does, because it's been a busy, hot day. Hot? You call this hot? It's hotter than a mug. It kind of is, right? All of our North Dakota people, they, uh, they know for a fact. I mean, you guys may have a little humidity, I get it, but... It's 100, what is it, 108 in the desert. Yep. And it's a little cloudy today, though. Yeah, it is. So it's yeah. a little overcast. But uh, as we say every week, man, we enjoy hanging out with you guys. Uh, again, if you miss bits and pieces of the show, you can get on a wrenchnation.tv. You can catch our podcast. And, of course, uh, we're playing this out uh, over the weekend. There's a few other stations, 88.7 again. And, of course, 90, 90.7, uh, you can catch the show. Uh, speaking of topic and shows, every week we try to take you on this journey. And one of the things that you guys have probably have heard about, you've seen the reports, the electric vehicle market, the EV market is massive in China. Now we've got Tesla, Elon Musk, you've seen his stuff, you've seen his vehicles. But I have to tell you guys, if you don't know, the marketplace in China is huge. Are they in the running or are they past no. us? I, I mean, at this point, I, I want to say they've passed us. Okay. But I'm careful how I say that. And to clear the air, we are privileged and honored to have Echo Huang. She's a reporter for the courts-based Hong Kong uh, online digital publication. She's a graduate from the University of Hong Kong with a master's degree in journalism. And she's somewhat of an authority. She reports this on a regular basis from China. Uh, and we're going to have her join us. We want to find out what is the story there. And, and, and actually of recent, there was a bit of a correction in that EV market uh, for Hong Kong. There's many, uh, excuse me, for China, many companies out there, uh, hundreds. Mm-hmm. And again, Echo Huang uh, is going to join us here in a little bit uh, to set us straight. So, Frank, is, what it, the story is it is. Wang or is it Wong? I'm going to leave that to you, Miss Susie Wong. That's what I was going to say. I, I would say Wong. I'm going to say Wong. Okay. Echo will straighten us out. All righty then. Yeah. I wanted to shed some light. This is off of uh, a segment that we did for ABC 15, uh, which has all to do with batteries and the summer temperatures. And a lot of you guys have experienced the click, click. 
don't wait for the click click. So visually, check your battery visually. Before you even go into a mechanic, you can pop the hood carefully and take a look at those terminals. If you see any acid corrosion, that's like white coking mm-hmm. on the terminals. Or, for that matter, if your terminals are sloppy loose, that's something simple that you guys can do. I want you to check that. I want to call it top in mind because we're seeing a lot of that in the garage. And what happens is we get busy. Now, comfortably, we're talking about it. And, eh, you know, Frank, I get you. I hear you. I'll check it. But life happens and we get busy. And, and yes, uh, we just had a text. You can clean it with some Coke and some baking soda. Uh, That's fine. You can get away with that. But more importantly, doing an oil service, take it in. And in our town, for the most part, they say batteries get, what, five to six years? Right. Eh, We're saying two to three years. Yeah, in Arizona. Two to three years. You've heard us say that before. So I just want to put that out there for you guys. Check your battery. Make sure that alternator's charging. That should be 13.8 to 14.2 volts. Uh, If you can't make it down to our garage, Desert Park here at Chandler, get onto our friends section of wrenchnation.tv. We've got some great automotive service facilities from all over the country. And uh, you can certainly reach out on Facebook. Susie, what is happening in your world? Girl? Well, I just wanted to back up on the battery. So even in, even in our garage, we do a battery, char- you know, we do a battery test with all of our oil changes. And um, I think it's mandatory. I think it's absolutely mandatory. Yeah. And, you know, one of the number one questions when it's not testing 100%, they'll say, well, how long do I have with it? Batteries are unpredictable, The worst Frank. thing for a mechanic is that crystal ball. Yeah. It's like the gal, midnight, comes on after the late movie and she's got a crystal ball. This is where you'll be in a year from now. But the fact is, um, year, there's a born on date. Check the stamp. Right. If you bought a used car and you're not sure, hey, when has this thing been replaced? Bottom line, I want you guys to get thinking. This week is I'm going to check my battery week. That's right. That's on your checklist. I don't want I don't want folks to have the click click. They come in on the tow truck and it's anxiety. It yeah. just stops your day. It is. So it is what it is. So check your battery. Absolutely. So have you ever given a choice of um, it's between fifty thousand dollars or a brand new Caddy ATS V? What would you choose? Wait a minute. You telling me somebody would give me fifty k? Yep. Cash money. Yep. Or Cadillac. A- yep. The V, ATSV, yep. yep. 50K. Yeah. Now well, let me throw something wait, else in there. And wait. you're 17 years old and you get that choice. Oh, now you're really changing no, it No, I'm up. not. When I was 17, I was, I, I mean, I was riding a subway broke. Well, yeah. But I'm talking today. So cash right. money or the, as a 17-year-old, fly around in a Cadillac? ATSV. Now, this is the problem. I'm tainted. I'm, I'm Right now, I'm a 50-year-old man. I've got some investment <laughs> knowledge. I would tell you this is what I would do. What would you do? I would take the 50K and invest it. Good, good answer. In the electric vehicle market yeah. in China. <laughs> I would take the 50K and I'd probably buy myself a car if I was 17. There you why, go. Why limit myself to whatever choice somebody else predestined Although the Cadillac... I mean, it's nice, but come on. So, I can't afford that kind of insurance at 17. What kind of investment advice are you giving us here, Well, Ms. I'm Susan? not giving you an investment advice, but this was kind of cute. So this 17-year-old was at a golf outing in Michigan, and there was a sign saying, win a car or win a TV if you get the ball closest to the pin. So He, he just, hit his first hole in one, Frank. What? He hit his first hole in one. And he got himself. Yep. So, hit, so what did he choose? He, well, he has two weeks to choose, but he thinks he's going to go with the 50K. So that he can put it towards college. So wait a minute. Here's a 17-year-old. I would not be sleeping. Now, he is thinking about it. Are you kidding me? At night, 17-year-old, midnight comes around after some cookies and milk, and he's like, <laughs> 50000 or Cadillac? 
50. I don't know about that. Two weeks? Two weeks. Not me. Personally, I'd be on it. Would you? I'd take the 50K. Well, he already has a, a little truck that he goes around in. Well, I, I'm, we got to follow up. I'm but thinking it, he's doing 50K. But it's cute that he wants to put it towards college. You got to commend him for that. I think so. Yeah. So I say, take the money, go to college. And maybe teach a few people golf because it sounds like he's a phenom. <laughs> hole in one. Uh, you guys want to stay tuned as the behemoth of the automotive marketplace. China has an impressive amount of vehicles on the road as well as vehicles sold on a yearly output. It is huge. That population and middle-class boom of recent years has really set the rate, the huge rate, and slowly but surely the infrastructure in the alternative vehicle market, uh, that EV, that electric vehicle market. What's happening out in China with electric vehicles? To help us clarify, we've got Echo Wang, reporter for Quartz-based magazine out in Hong Kong, next on Rich Nation. Just rule everything around me Get the ghost, raise the toes, pop the molly I can go toe-to-toe like I'm Molly We're all trying to feel the lonely Just rule everything around me Bolt-on Technologies, automotive software solutions Auto repair shops that have Bolt-on Technologies software Provide customer vehicle condition reports Including photos and text Real-time digital reports Multi-point inspections estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Lee Weatherby's Accurate Automotive is a local, family-owned, award-winning auto repair shop in Mesa, serving Arizona drivers since 1992. ASE certified technicians, modern repair facility, and digital reports on every service. In Mesa on Robson Road, just south of Broadway, between Country Club and Center. 480-890-0409, accurateautomotiveaz.com, or Accurate Automotive AZ on Facebook. It's a beautiful life. But I'm not concerned It's a beautiful dream But a dream is earned Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Frank and Susie hanging out with you. Remember, get on to WrenchNation.tv if you miss bits and pieces of the show. You can catch the uh, podcast upload uh, that we do every week for you. And, you know, we were going to dive into... Many of you have seen this. You've seen news reporting... uh, and the explosive growth of not only po- everything China is just growth, big time. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's it's huge. So with the past economic boom and growth, there's definitely need for transportation. In fact, uh, the need for alternative to get away from that crude oil is huge. In fact, uh, they say driving six days in Beijing because of the air quality, and it's getting better is like having a cigarette. Six days driving in Beijing is having a cigarette. Really? The air quality is pretty rough out there, and of course it is getting better. To help clarify, uh, we've got Echo Huang with the Quartz-based digital online uh, news journal. Echo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank. Happy to be on the show. Thank you, and uh, good morning to you. I understand you're probably having breakfast out there. Are you in Hong Kong? (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, it's 7 a.m. here. So. Okay, well, happy day. <laughs> you know, if I was yeah. in Hong Kong and it was 7 a.m., you know what I'd be eating right now? Some dim sum. Oh, <laughs> there you wow, go. that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, see, we're, Echo's not going to argue with that. Um, Echo, you have extensively reported. Uh, in fact, I invite folks to get on to uh, QZ.com, uh, doing some amazing coverage 
uh, News Journal coverage of the uh, a multitude of markets. But specifically, Echo, you've really dived into this sudden surge in this uh, passenger car sales, uh, you know, over the last year for sure. What is the triggering factor for China's position in EV growth? Why is China taking the lead on this? Um, sure. Um, that's a really great question. So I think, you know, in light, just um, in line with what you just mentioned, um, first of all, Beijing needs to tackle this air pollution problem, which, you know, basically is choking its um, citizens over there. Um, so that's very, I think, would be the first reason why Beijing um, kind of initiated this whole program um, of pushing electric vehicles like from a decade ago. Um, and secondly, I think this is a really good opportunity for China um, to sort of like um, compete with the West uh, on cars, on auto industry. Like for years, China sees that this market is catered to a lot of foreign brands. There is no China automakers that are able to compete with European, Japanese, Korean, Korean brands, mainly Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz and Toyota. Um, so I think those are the contributing factors um, to China's push in electric vehicles. It makes perfect sense um, to, to be able to, I, I think the misnomer here uh, in the States is, you know, we, unfortunately, we have some ignorant beliefs, Susie, that, you know, China's behind the times that way uh, regarding air quality, uh, vehicle manufacturing, but that is not the case. So the trigger is, I think, I think the government has literally said, hey, you know what, we got to clean up our act, and while we're at it, let's lead the space. Um, tell us about the manufacturing environment for the electric vehicle. How competitive is it currently in China? How many companies, Echo, are really competing and positioning themselves for such a huge market? Um, since the last time I checked, um, in making electric passenger cars only, there are around 70, 80 brands, mostly. Um, but then if you, uh, it, uh, I mean, um, car manufacturers, but if you calculate the brands, like the brands under, for example, um, uh, like EIC, the largest, um, uh, one of the largest um, state-owned companies uh, in China, there are multiple. So you you can count on like 400, 500 between that number, um, focusing on making electric cars. Well, wow. of course, some are making, you know, fossil fuels, but then you have that number there. Yes. Wow. Uh, and for years, uh, the light electric vehicle marketplace uh, has been around. Those are, uh, well, one third the size of a, a regular vehicle. Those have been pretty popular. Um, I understand they're not as reliable as, you know, a traditional straight on electric vehicle, full size. But it seems to me like the LEV market um, is also pretty powerful in China. Right. Um, if you look at, for example, um, electric two wheelers, um, so that number is super huge. Like China has 250 million of electric two wheelers on the street, mostly because it's easy to get around compared to um, an electric car. And you know, most of the major cities where there is high volume of car sales, um, the government tries to limit the car volumes. 
Um, so that kind of pushed uh, up the electric to vehicles market. Um, and that's, you know, that kind of number just, and, and you know, one of the contributing uh, factor to the electric two wheelers is that um, China has this huge um, delivery um, market where you can see like um, delivery men like on the streets um, getting food door to door. So that's sort of like there is a demand there and um, there is certain a market there. Yeah. You know, speaking of delivery, I understand as far as licensing is concerned in China, that can get pretty costly to license a gas vehicle. Tell us more about that whole situation. Sure. Um, so if you look at, so I, I think we should start by understanding why China wants um, this car licensing in the first place. Um, I think one reason is because Beijing um, starting to see that there are simply just too many cars on the street during rush hour, it you know really common um, if you are in the center of Beijing and get stuck for like half an hour or even up to an hour, um, and then you're barely moving, um, and that kind of caused a very huge you know like painful. It's a painful job for the government to sort of like address this. Um, so they come up with sort of like a solution, um, which is to limit the car volumes by limit the number of car. Um, licenses out there. So the way they do it is, you know, for example, if your car license, uh, the last numeric number ends up with, for example, one, you get out on certain days in Beijing, but you cannot travel on the other days of the week. So that's how they kind of manage the system to like sort of like balance and control the volumes of cars um, in Beijing. What would it cost if I, uh, if I wanted a license to drive a gas vehicle? What's it cost for that license? Um, I, in Beijing, I would say it's common to sort of like if you, you know, went beyond the lottery system, the winning of that lottery system, it's, you know, the chance is 0.05%, which is like what? Like you have to wait, I don't know, like so many years. If you're lucky enough to get that, that's for free. But you can also surpass the route by purchasing one, which is what you mentioned. It's really costly. It's about like, it can get up to 70 yuan, 70k or 80k yuan, which is like, I don't know, like 10,000 so US dollar at some point. $10,000 to go and essentially come out of the lottery, which is going to be rare. You're not going to get the lottery. Um, $10,000 to have a gas vehicle. Do you see a marketplace uh, in that? transportation for deliveries and couriers and, and just tra- commercial transportation that still say hey we we still need the gas or are they saying heck no we're going we're going right to electric i feel like um so electric two-wheelers for delivery in the cities of you know food they're portable they're compact really electric. easy yeah right yeah right but then if you go beyond the city, for example, I don't know, like from Guangzhou to Beijing, which is like more than 3,000 kilometers, then I think, you know, gasoline cars is still pretty, you know, like the first choice because people are worried about um, charging situation here um, despite um, all the years of efforts to sort of like push the charging stations. Yeah, I mean, that's infrastructure support. I know that in uh, Los Angeles... Uh, where there is a EV market, one of the biggest complaints is that in LA, you've got 
you're limited on where you can actually plug in and charge and go. And I and I know that that is, um, I believe it's not as bad. I understand there's over 170,000 charging stations in China. Is that correct? Somewhere in that number? I think my number, I you know, as of 2018, I see somewhere between 77,000. Okay. So, um, yeah. Number, yeah. Right. It's still phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But Be- yeah. Be- better than what we're doing. So if I am up and coming in society, I'm doing well for myself and I'm in Beijing, or let's just choose another city, uh, not on the countryside, because I know the countryside, you know, that changes things up, you know, more farming community, not as uh, populated, uh, not as densely populated. I'm coming up. I'm doing well. Am I buying an American made gas Buick? Is that a status um, symbol, or is are those days not so much anymore? I feel like this up to today, many people, even I was like at a car show, um, Shanghai car show um, in April, um, that's still something that people look up to. Like when you ask people what brands they trust, not necessarily an American brand, but like foreign brands, of course. They always talk about ABB, which stands for Audi, Mercedes-Benz, and uh, BMW. So that's kind of something that they looked up for. And you see a lot of those cars on the street in China. And I would say before the electric car market is fully ready, um, people still look up to foreign brands. Right. There is a company, there. there's several companies, as you stated, but uh, tell us about BYD, they're a huge manufacturer uh, that I understand is uh, sort of blazing away uh, in the EV market in China. BYD, tell us about BYD and uh, some of the things that they're doing. Sure. So I think BYD is this really huge, you know, it's the largest um, electric vehicle maker in China. Um, and it also has manufacturing production um, over there in the States. Um, in China, it really sort of like tries to also focus on electric vehicles. Like if you look at their cells, um, it's like it's been going up despite China's auto market. It's slowing and uh, the people still sort of like, BYD is sort of like a brand um, that speaks for the first generation of um, electric vehicles. It really goes parallel um, of, with the China's government's push um, in electric vehicles. And what's really smart about BYD is that they sort of like try to um, get into the whole supply chain. Um, so batteries. Um, is that, something that's huge. That they batteries are, are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, that It's very same. They're very, you know, they secure sort, sort of like mining resources. They secure the battery production lines. They supply their batteries to their own cars. Um, so batteries take up 50% of the car's sticker price, at least. So that kind of like gives BYD sort of like an edge um, in the electric vehicles market. You see a lot of different brands in China, um, They when they try to venture into electric vehicle market, they tend to um, source the batteries from like a third party, for example, um, you know, the world's largest uh, EV battery maker, the ATL. Um, so I would say BYD in electric car business, it's huge. It takes up, it gets 40 percent around 40 percent of its revenue from um, electric vehicle businesses um and it's also you know doing a lot of other stuff like solar panels and battery storage 
um, and it spans across the world. It has production in the state. Uh, it has, you know, a bus factory in the state. It has South America, um, sort of a factory there. Um, so it's footprint. It's really over all over the world. Yeah. So it's hand in hand. I know that um, with Tesla from years ago that uh, they they had to dominate and really own the marketplace with the battery production. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have a reporter from uh, Quartz based out in Hong Kong, uh, Echo Huang. I invite you guys to get on over to QZ.com. You can actually catch some of uh, Echo's articles, uh, very extensive on the subject subject of uh, electric vehicles in China and uh, transportation in general, uh, the world's largest market. Uh, before you disconnect here, we're going to bring you back, Echo. We want to talk about what are the differences between U.S., European government outlook and what the Chinese government is doing that is really pampering and propelling this market. We're going to get those answers next. Echo Huang. From Quartz, Wrench Nation, next. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me? My clients, and they're likely not to come back. Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Frank and Susie hanging out with you. I remind you to get on to WrenchNation.tv. Uh, catch a lot of our past episodes and shows. And, of course, you can catch the podcast every weekend uh, at your leisure. Listen to it. We upload it. This week, we're diving into this whole phenomenon. Legitimate. I don't even know if it's a phenomenon, Susie. I mean, no. it's there. It is what it is. There's calculation. Yep. There is a strategy for this explosive growth of electric vehicles and to help us uh, navigate that we are grateful and honored to have Echo Wong, a uh, reporter for Quartz. Uh, she's based out of Hong Kong, has extensively reported on China's electric vehicle market. Echo, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you coming back. You know, before the break, we talked about, you know, we often wonder the big world out there, you know, what's Europe doing? What's China doing? What's Japan doing by way of government and how a government can either make or break the future goals of industry? Tell us what the Chinese government has done that has been kind of unique, perhaps, in sort of pampering and promoting uh, this EV market. Right. Um, so I think that, uh, like Beijing right now is really sort of trying to push up its, um, electric vehicle, um, market, like the sales, um, they set a goal of selling some 1.7 million units of, um, electric cars, including, you know, electric 
and pure electric, pure battery electric, and also hybrid um, this year, despite its auto um, market is slowing and continues. The trend is likely to continue. Um, and you you did say, I'm sorry, Echo, I don't mean, I mean to interrupt just real quick. You did say that it, it, it was slowing a bit. Um, I, I did notice the last right. few days there was, tell us about maybe what this current slight correction, we know that the market's not going anywhere, but why why has the EV market just slightly corrected uh, as of the last few weeks? Um, I think that, you know, uh, there are multiple sectors to that. Um, and part of the reason is really that the government, for years, the government has tried to, you know, sort of like use subsidies to help the market um, to push, basically, giving, giving money to the car makers to help them sell electric vehicles. But then China is pivoting away from that strategy, meaning taking money, taking money out of the car car makers, um, you know, and, and that kind of just um, panicked everyone. Um, without subsidies, what would an electric vehicle market look like? Um, does people buy an electric vehicle because it's cheaper than fossil fuels or because they really believe in the technology and sort of like a, the environment benefits that come with it. So China is at this really chaotic transition stage right now. Um, meanwhile, uh, the government, we already know multiple city government has sort of set up, set up goals to phase out fossil fuel cars. And that sort of like leaves people in a very unstable and, you know, not going anywhere sort of like mindset um, that kind of throw the um, auto market into um, chaos. Right. So, I mean, what was the incentive? If I wanted to buy a vehicle, uh, what was the subsidy on average per vehicle? Um, I wouldn't say there is a fixed number. It really depends on the mileage, um, you know, of a vehicle. Um, actually, China just wrote out this latest rule uh, in June, in late June, sort of like trying to, they cut the average, um, cut the subsidies that go into the cost um, by half on average. Um, but it's not uncommon, for example, if you buy the BYD, a certain like a mini compact SUV model that gives you um 360 kilometers of you know range or something that you can probably get uh i don't know like half probably a third or at least to a half of the price you know the government basically gives subsidies to the uh, manufacturer and then they cover their cost for you so that it's really they are able to keep the price at a really um appealing um yeah compared to crude anything crude oil yeah i mean that you know uh for for sure, you're you're going to have that much more in savings for the plug as opposed to to the pump. And um, right. currently, boy, it's tough to get the straight news regarding the current climate with the sort of tariff situation. Uh, what's your take with tariffs? Has that affected the automobile market in terms of Chinese manufacturing for? China's market first, then the rest of the world. Tariffs are playing with that, or is that a non-issue? I feel like China has been trying to push its, you know, autos um, selling, basically selling its cars overseas. Um, but then it has been a really relatively small number compared to what it sells domestically. One reason is because. Um, as I mentioned um, earlier, that um, 
foreign car company, foreign um, foreign countries, they tend to sort of like be cautious, or they are not really well, re- ready to embrace um, a Chinese brand right now. So I wouldn't say that the tariffs is you know sort of like impacting um, the auto industries in terms of car exports as well as much as. Um, it is impacting on other industries in China. Yeah, so there's certainly there is a, a branding uh, perception, and I, I definitely can see how, you know, the average person may say, you know, what do we know about these vehicles? How safe are they? Uh, are they? Uh, and let's face it, there is, let's face it, there's some propaganda on all sides of uh, how a vehicle uh, manufacturer positions their brand from uh, perception and the stories that come out uh, to that. Uh, the, Paris, the Paris Climate Agreement says they want 100 million of these electric vehicles on the road by 2030 globally. 100 million million vehicles globally by 2030, uh, Paris Climate Agreement. Echo, what's your take on that? You, you think we're well shy? Because you, you said that China's now got, what, one, uh, one and a quarter million electric vehicles? Just over a million? Yeah. Um, right. That's sold in 2018. But if you look at the total uh, number of electric vehicles on the road, um, that's probably going to be around somewhere between four or five million. Okay. So that's still a very small number um, compared to fossil fuel cars, which you sell easily. You can sell like 20 million um, every year in China. So I don't, I would say that the 2030 number, um, you know, the goal is kind of ambitious. It's ambitious. Know, like, that's what I'm, we're waiting for you yes. to say that. We thought the same. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great to have that, that goal again, a hundred million electric vehicles on the road by 2030. Um, you know, some would have contention with that. Do you find that the EV manufacturers in China are very conservative on their financial outlook based upon the amount of vehicles that they're guiding that will come out to marketplace? Do you find that they're very conservative? Unlike perhaps some of the claims that we've seen, respectfully to Elon Musk and Tesla, Elon has kind of caught himself out there a few times saying, hey, we're going to come up with this many vehicles, and he fell short. What's the uh, Chinese EV manufacturer uh, position there? Um, So we can take BYD um, as an example. Um, So I think last year when its chairman set a really ambitious goal, sort of like trying to say that they are going to reach this amount of um, electric vehicles by the end of this year, and that well, BYD delivered what it promised. Um, and it's, I, I would say that compared to Elon, um, that uh, things out here, folks out here tend to be really, you know, they are ambitious, but they are also cautious with what they promise to the market. Um, but obviously you have, you know, China's government saying that we want this number, we want 1.7 million of electric vehicles sold in 2019. Um, that's sort of like the range, like people are catering car makers are watching that number and they are marching forward to that number well i mean it's it's volatile with the global market to begin with i know that if i was a cfo or ceo i'd be conservative but we also want to keep uh keep the consumers happy and get them excited what to you is the most exciting electric vehicle on the marketplace right now what is the vehicle that you would love to just tour the chinese countryside with echo what's your favorite um, so I 
that's a very interesting question because I <laughs> leave it to Frank. BYD. <laughs> you you like BYD? I yeah. Um, I I was on a shell pump. This um car uh, that this electric vehicle um startup in Guangzhou. Um and you know just sort of like compare. You know one is a very sort of a traditional, well established um electric vehicle maker. One is sort of like this you know new uh, we call new full, which is you know the startup um that's going into electric vehicles here in China. You got different two different car makers they all compete sort of like trying to compete in the in the same range and they offer products that are of cater obviously to very different mindsets like you got BYD's cars which is more like traditional and then you got this very of, of course it's very you know like sporty um and then you got Xiaopeng which is kind of putting out this fancy uh you know function functionalities you got like a camera on top of um, a vehicle. So I would say it's really hard to choose, um, you know, <laughs> between all this. Um, and I would take this too as an example, you know, to sort of like give our sense to what, how China car makers are sort of like trying and walking into what kind of direction. Yeah. Well, well I just I, looked up the BYD vehicles. They are beautiful. They are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they, they have taken, I, I think they've taken a lot of cues, um, you know, it's, they're not unique looking. And I say that respectfully, but I understand that the quality and the level of, you know, reliability, uh, the accoutrements in the cab and so on. But I will tell you, Echo, if I were to pick you up in Beijing, I would like to pick you up in the Neo EP9, the world's right. fastest electric road car. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Um, what is the story Neo unveils uh, recently, maybe a year ago? I could be off on time frame. 1,360 horsepower, uh, world's fastest electric road car. This thing is unbelievable. Right. Um, I would say near, like, I sat on the car for a bit. It's really spacious inside, and it has sort of, like, all of those luxury high-end cars, you know, um, you know the, the letter of the state that really... Um, High, really good, and then you get all this kind of like shiny and really more than I design of the car, which is really beautiful. You got you can get to talk to this artificial intelligence back a speaker, which reacts to sort of like your um, request to the cars, which is you know makes the driving experience really fun in a car. Um, but I haven't really you know driven that car on the road, so I don't know exactly what the experience it's like but overall i would say this is you know this is eye-catching oh yeah no doubt i mean of course neo has a multitude of vehicles to choose from but this particular ep9 uh Susie, they actually ran fastest speed and then they went full autonomous on the track and you guys can catch that uh, YouTube video, uh, I don't have it playing in front of me now, but it's 1360 horsepower Neo EP9, world's fastest electric road car. I think Neo wanted to make a statement. I think Neo said, hey, we're in the building and on the racetrack, and we don't need a driver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are, they're blazing away there. Uh, so level two autonomy with ADAS systems, advanced driver awareness systems, they exist. Um, the amount of deaths that we're seeing every year here in the United States is inside of, I think it's 40,000 a year is the number. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the advent, uh, other than, you know, we 
consumers want more in their car, more uh, autonomous uh, action and, and more to cover where we're making mistakes, corrective lane changing, things like that. China's take on ADAS and advanced driver awareness systems, very much like the U.S., certainly top on that is to reduce the amount of deaths on the road each year, correct? Mm, I would say that's one reason um, that, you know, sort of I try to narrow down the casualties and, you know, bring it down. Um, but then uh, we, right now we see, we do see a lot of car makers saying that they have, they are capable of providing L, L2.5 um, autonomous driving technologies on their cars. Namely, we see Shalpo, the car um, startup that I just mentioned. Um, but then um, I think that it's mostly the cars equipped with L2.5. Um, you know, you can trust the cars to go autonomous parking. That's for sure. Yeah. But I would be cautious about, you know, the whole self-driving experience on a passenger car right now. Obviously, China has all those, you know, Baidu, this software companies sure. looking into the space. But I would still be cautious about the whole experience. I was in a car. Um, I was in a self-driving car in Guangzhou. And I would say, like, one year, a year ago. Um, and that experience was amazing. Uh, but then you still, you can still, it's not as smooth that it's not as smooth as sort of having a human driver. It's that interaction. Susie and I yeah. talk about this all the time. We've actually done a ton of interviews uh, throughout the city and in the state talking to people. One aspect is how does a pedestrian psychologically go eye to eye with a vehicle that you don't see your driver? Like when we're crossing the street, there's sort of this eye to eye contact. You're looking sort of that cue like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. You can cross. Like, there's so much I right. think we have. I think fleet and commercially speaking, we're already seeing that. I think I think we're going to take strides there. I did talk to some Bosch engineers out in Detroit. Uh, we actually went to a, a big ADAS technical conference uh, for the service bays, you know, our mechanics and technicians in the bays, covering LIDAR, radar, and all the bells and whistles to uh, performing Car repair, modern day car repair and service. And Bosch engineers said, man, we've got 10 years before we will really see uh, this full on autonomous in the public arena. Uh, commercial fleet, maybe so. Seeing what Waymo's doing in that space. Uh, in fact, right here in Chandler, yes, we're, we're, we're going to see some of that. But uh, is that is that sort of the, the take as well with the Chinese public? Are they any different in how comfortable they would feel with uh, autonomous vehicles, or is that really doesn't matter? I feel like um, everyone is excited about it, this idea of trying it, trying, you know, sort of like trying a self-driving car out. Um, but then, obviously, it's not rolling out at a very large scale at the moment. So what we're seeing, the public pool, even there is one is sort of like talking on, you know, the paper talk, like, you know, no one has ever tried that, um, not the mass public. Um, but then I think the concept is really appealing. Um, that And then speaking of, you know, besides the, uh, you know, sort of like use it on a mass transport, we see companies do roll out fleets, robot taxis, um, trucks. Um, and that, to me, makes more sense because, you know, fleets, you can have it operate probably uh, point to point. So we've seen a certain range and like a mileage you can have that car traveling safely um in a very 
populate not so populated area that makes sense to me and also like trucking um yes which long is, you know, over the road in the state yeah over right? the road makes sense so yeah. these are really right. right so i would say you know different application areas yeah, it makes sense. Now, listen, we've had our fair share of uh, news reports on some of the uh, Teslas that have caught on fire. Uh, I believe none of those were attributed directly to the technology. And I'm almost positive all were attributed to driver error, whether, you know, the guy was doing 90 miles an hour and hit a wall, right? Uh, you recently reported uh, Echo. Uh, for the court's publication that a recent set of fires in China actually got the manufacturers and automobile makers, along with the government, to really look at that closer. Tell us about the safety standards and uh, the government's perspective there. Sure. So I think that, you know, the fires, we were talking about why why you get the tension. Um, The reasons is because those fires are caused by NEO, this really shiny New York listed China's, you know, electric car startup, let's say, and then also Tesla. Um, and Tesla's who like largest overseas market by its revenue is China. So these two cases are really getting people nervous about whether, you know, raising questions of whether it's safe to drive an electric car on the road. Um, and a number of, uh, you know, sort of like uh, methods has been rolled out to deal with the situation. Tesla said it's updating its uh, system um, over the air. Neo said it's taking back for nearly 5,000 um, of its flagship SUV back to um, sort of like do safety checks. Um, and all this sort of like methods really get people on the nerve and, People are starting questioning why, whether it's safe to drive an electric car, especially in summer right now. It's very hot out there. Um, so I would definitely say that that's a very huge concern um, in terms of pushing the electric vehicle market. With Neo and Tesla, do we know the cause of the fires yet? Um, so Neo has released a statement saying that it's because of some wire issues between the power. Um, of the battery pack, um, and that's sort of like causing shortcuts um, uh, that leads to the fire. But then the battery, I think it's having issues with its battery um, supplier, which is CATL, the EV, um, you know, the world's largest EV um, battery supplier, uh, maker. Um, we are still waiting for, you know, more results to come out, but then this is what I say here right now. Right. Well, it's not an easy game, A, to manufacture an automobile, and then B, to dive into that whole EV market. There's there's a lot of moving parts, hardware, software, testing, and so on. Um, if you're just right. joining us, we have uh, Echo Huang. Uh, I invite you to get on to QZ.com. Echo's got some uh, great articles and does regular reporting uh, from China on the topic. Um, so what are you seeing for the future Echo, we know we have this little correction now, uh, probably a bump or a blip in the screen. Where does China really want to be uh, a few years out with uh, EVs for their marketplace and the consumer? I think that China is too ambitious of leading the EV market. Um, it's that sort of like all the goals and, you know, you have this ambitious numbers. 
growing number is 50% growth every year. Um, I, don't, I believe that China is going to get there. Um, but then it has to figure out this subsidy situation. You know, it's sort of like rowing out the California um, uh, credit system to replace the incentive um, that's currently in, pay, in place in China. So it awaits if the market is ready to take the, that, you know, the post-subsidies market, whether the consumers are willing to pay like a higher price for the electric vehicles. The comicers are going to figure out uh, what, how to advance their uh, vehicles, obviously, is it going to be more about self-driving? Is it going to be more about um, a long, longer range that's more appealing? Um, so that's China definitely wants it domestically, wants its market to continue to grow. Meanwhile, um, China wants its more brands to export um, overseas. We see a lot of car brands, namely Biden, saying that it wants to sell cars, electric cars um, in Europe and U.S. by mid-2020. We see iWave, which is also this other car startup, uh, saying that they are rolling out sort of like right rentaling services of their electric cars um, in Europe in April 2020. So we see, we might begin to see China's car brands um, on the streets in Europe and U.S. You might not necessarily recognize them. I think that's also sort of like the goal that um, you know, like a new image for China's auto industry. Yeah. And, and you know, when you got someone like Warren Buffett, who's actually backed BYD, that says a lot. I mean, Warren Buffett doesn't just show up with money and plan on losing uh, as an investor behind BYD. Is right. BYD a, a vehicle, if you and I were to talk in the fall and you said, Frank, here's a really good Chinese vehicle, an electric vehicle coming to town or already here, what would you recommend? I want to buy a Chinese-made electric vehicle right now in this country. What do you recommend? That's a really tough question. I don't think that BYD is going to sell their passenger cars in the U.S. in any near future. They're pretty focused on um, buses right now. I thought um, Neil, was it Neil that I thought there was? BYD. BYD. It is BYD. So BYD currently not available. So currently what you're saying, as we're being enlightened, we cannot buy a you vehicle. You can't have one, Frank. Like, I want one. You cannot have I one. want one. I've seen all the pictures. <laughs> I, I want one of those little LEVs. I like the little tiny guy. That's what I I want to get into the little <laughs> tiny guy. <laughs> so, but, uh, all right. So you've got some uh, up and coming news reporting anything you can tease our audience with that you are currently working on now perhaps for china in general could you tease us could we pry open some top secret reporting from you echo <laughs> um sure i'm happy to share some thoughts about the issues um in reporting you know reporting on this area um so first uh this it's very interesting to see the first generation of electric vehicles coming to age right now. How China is going to um, deal with the recycling of the batteries um, oh. and also what what the cars is going to cost, you know, how, how much value the car is left. That's also, um, that's something that's worth um, looking out for. Um, and also, secondly, you see China wants to promote um, electrifying the ride sharing um, fleet over here, you see all the car makers begin to establish subsidiaries of ride-sharing companies here. It will be interesting to see 
um, how I've got folks out there saying that China is not really ready for rent sharing to electrify its rent sharing market. So it would be interesting to see how China is catching up um, or filling the gap uh, between what the business wants and what um, the drivers on the road um, are really saying and complaining. Yeah. Well, they they will grow accordingly. I, I imagine as well that you probably have, there'll be a shakedown of some of these manufacturers that are, let's just face it, they, they just may not survive. I know there's quite a few of them out there. Right. And, and just a point, uh, the battery's number one recycled item is the battery. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the stat was 7,000 batteries per hour. I need to get that right. That's that, a lot. That's a, yeah, it's 7,000 per hour of wow. batteries that are being recycled. So I imagine that because 90% of those batteries, we see them with the Toyota Prius. You know, right. when the Toyota Prius battery goes down, there's a way to sort of restore uh, and remanufacture that without having to buy a new one. You know, there's a, a, a way to generate uh, cells and get that Prius battery back and up and running. So, Echo Huang, thank you for spending your breakfast time in Hong <laughs> Kong and joining the Wrench Nation show. You rock. Thank you, Thank you. We will follow up with you. We are uh, probably in a few months. We'd like to get another report. We'll stay in touch. Uh, as I as I tell you guys to get on to, uh, let me make sure I've got the site Frank, right. Frank, I think QZ. we need to do a remote show in China, though, don't you hey, think? Hey, I'm for it. Echo, meet us in Hong Kong. We'll meet you out there. <laughs> Beijing, Hong Kong, we'll follow you out there. It's all good. <laughs> Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Uh, please uh, visit Echo Huang's great reporting out of China, QZ.com, a talented broadcast journalist and very fascinating uh, globally what's happening in yeah. the electric vehicle market, especially in China. Uh, catch the podcast uh, upload this week uh, and certainly get on a Wrench Nation Facebook. Uh, we're on there uh, with any of your car care needs. If you have any show ideas, we'd like to hear them as well. Or you want to highlight your neighborhood rock star local mechanic. We want the good news story behind that. As I tell you every week, man, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.